Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon. We are the twice-weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating the radio show turned podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. On Fridays, we bring you an appreciation piece. Sometimes we interview fans and play their favorite moments. Other times, we have our friend Phyllis on to curate moments from her reviews of TBTL Past. And next week, we will have another delightful baseball-themed clip show uh, produced by Anne. But last Friday, we put out what I think was the best show we've ever done, uh, and that was the um, Gay Ten from Chicago, Kim Marson. And she wanted to talk about the uh, Orlando uh, shootings and why the guys were not talking about that, and it turned into a pretty interesting discussion, I think. But this is Monday, so we'll be giving you just a straight recap of last week's TBTL. My name is Mike Frizzell, the jail dude. I'm in Orkin Pest Control Studios in Kyle, Texas. And joining me from Stick of Butter Studios, which is a way better place to be in New Brighton, Minnesota, is the woman quickly taking control of the whole operation, Ann Lundholm. Hello, Ann. My plan is proceeding. <laughs> and just up I-35 in Dallas from Dinner Party Studios is Ann, uh, Meredith All the Way Mayhan. Hello, Meredith. Hey, Mike. All right, so uh, we do have a couple pieces of uh, business to discuss before we get to our week in review. Of course, later we'll tell you how to get involved with the show. Um, my my nemesis, Stephen, is he with us today, Meredith? Is he with you in the studio? Well, not right now, no. And you might understand after we hear what he had to say. He 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 recorded a message for you, Mike, and then he stormed out of the room. So he started a podcast. Yeah, it's called Hey, There's a Moth. (laughs) It's a storytelling podcast. Yeah, and, you know, I will admit that I didn't listen to it, but that didn't stop me from leaving a shitty iTunes uh, review because, you know, Stephen has has ruined our show many times telling his boring stories. I mean, they're brief, but somehow he manages to be really boring and brief. Mm -hmm. But you said he recorded something, so uh, I I guess we have no choice but to play it. Let's hear it. hurtful hmm. yeah what do you have to say for yourself uh well what i have to say i'll say through itunes under several accounts that i'll open up <laughs> and make sure his podcast gets buried and it's never it might be new but it, it will never be noteworthy in in my itunes oh, that hurts um and yes a little bit of a business from you you said something before we came on and started recording that you have found freedom from politics like your the this year's election is not going to affect you what is this freedom how have you achieved it no i have not achieved freedom from actual politics i have achieved freedom from my being a politician nobody knows that i have in fact up until july 1st been a president of what Trump and Hillary, they all want to get into the White House. But I'm telling you, presidenting is hard. And if they knew that, they might not be so excited. So I have been the president of the choir that I sing in for the last couple of years. 
I did not want to be the president. I did not ask to be the president. In fact, they tricked me into being the president. And as of July 1st, my term is over and I am so happy. I don't have to have another budget meeting. I don't have to pretend I give a shit about what those weirdos think. I don't have to try <laughs> and um, preserve the agenda in the meetings. I don't have to figure out how to pay the bills. It is a brave new world, my friends, and I am so happy. How did you get Tom Sawyer into it in the first place? Was it Were you elected? And I mean... Was was there ever any chance for you to just say, no, I don't want to do this? There was a chance for me to say that I don't want to do this, but that's not how I roll, unfortunately. And I had been thinking <laughs> about uh, joining the board for a little while because, eh, you know, get more involved and be a leader and personal growth and blah, blah, blah. And somehow they got it into their mind that I would be a great treasurer. And I said, thank you, no. No treasuring for me. I have neither mm -hmm. the time nor the desire to do that. But Is that because you're a numbers person? I don't know. I think that they were just throwing out some fishing lines and seeing whoever they could get. Mm. I would say if you if you start um, asking who wants to be treasurer, the person who says, <laughs> I want to be treasurer, you need to not let them be treasurer. Exactly. It's like the boy scout trip you know who wants to take all the boys out into the woods for three nights <laughs> me 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 uh, not so fast nope not you <laughs> so i resisted all the attempts to make me treasure so then a few months later when the vice president of the choir resigned i was still feeling kind of guilty about the treasurer thing and mm -hmm. they said and you'd make a great vice president and i said very suspiciously do I have to do anything? Can you assure me that this is a ceremonial position? And they said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just if the president can't make it to a meeting, then you run the meeting and that's all. And I said, okay. And they did the vote and I, I was, in fact, uh, elected. And then uh, the president did not come to the next four months of meetings. Oh, God. <laughs> and he came to the fifth month and resigned and left me holding the bag. Oh, oh no. Uh. And I felt like I just couldn't walk away from it. They needed leadership, and it was such a shit show, and I thought maybe I can do something with this. Was there an official term? Like, is it a four-year thing, or like the American presidency, or what? Uh, the board terms are three years, and okay. I was about a year into it when I had greatness thrust upon me. So you have <laughs> had two years of unwanted presidency? yes. I'm sorry, Anne. I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for you that you're free. Yeah. I, I have literally for the last year been counting down the meetings, like 12 more meetings. I can do this. 11 more meetings. <laughs> I can do no. this. And now it's over. And I know for a fact they had a meeting last week and I was not involved. And it's so great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate the way that you counted it down because I've been trying to do that with Emily about her like chemotherapy. She's like in her fourth month or fifth month. And mm -hmm. every, every time, every time I try to say, all right, well, you've done the radiation and you're this percentage through the, the and so, you know, I try to like make it seem like these are manageable chunks. Every time she tells me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the one doing this. Shut up. So I, I appreciate your, your brain and your numbers and the fact that you you counted it down and made yourself get through it. So, um, the week in review Monday was a uh, 
rerun play show twenty one fifty five elbow deep in potato salad and hot dogs and there were there was really nothing new said there before they introduced last year's show which was uh luke was in where was he again i can't remember he was he was somewhere out in um let me check my notes he was in new york at the chautauqua institute is that what they call oh it? right right and really i mean it was kind of a coincidence that he was there doing a story for CBS this morning because at that time he was only doing a story for CBS maybe once every two or three months. Now mm-hmm. it seems like he's doing more than one a week. Yeah, yeah no kidding. It? He's all over the place. Yeah. So what I was thinking was uh, CBS this morning hasn't had uh, Charles Kuralt for quite a number of years. Hmm. He, I think he passed away, but I mean his thing was every week – he would be on the road somewhere and doing one of these quirky stories. And is Luke becoming Charles Curled? Yes, I've been wondering what his desire is because they do they have the people on that show who do these serious news stories and then they have the human interest stories and then maybe they have the weird stories. And which one of these does Luke want to be? Yeah, he's he's somewhere he seems to be somewhere uh between B and C. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, um, and it, it's it, it's I don't know. It's fascinating to me to watch this because he has Livewire and he has this CBS gig. And that seems to be, um, you know, he seems to to be becoming like man on the street, mm-hmm. you know, and it's I, it's just he's just at a point in his career. It's just fascinating to me. I don't know why right now, but it just he's really seems poised to be kind of a big deal. Yes, and I think he's so personable and he interacts so well with the eccentrics, maybe, yeah. as well mm-hmm. as the regular mm-hmm. people. And he he makes what they do seem interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I didn't have so much to say is that I'm just sitting on the sidelines just watching – something happen. It seems like something is really happening for him right now mm-hmm. because he is on the road every damn week now <laughs> with another one of these weirdo stories. He's eating squirrels. Yeah, ever since he, since he won that Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. I kicked him into another yeah. stratosphere. Yep. All right. Um, I just wanted to take note of that, uh, but I guess we get into our recaps with uh, Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday, 2156, Slow Down Dr. Demento. Uh, the first thing we have to talk about, which doesn't particularly interest me, but I suspect interests Mike, is that Kevin Durant is moving from Oklahoma to Golden State. This is basketball talk, of course, and it's a big story in Seattle because he was one of the Supersonics before they moved to Oklahoma City. And Luke has some complicated feelings about this. Well, it was um, – was, Kevin Durant was drafted – the year that the um, the year before the Sonics left, so he was basically drafted as we already knew the Sonics were going to leave, and we knew he was going to be a superstar, and it was sort of you know mixed feelings. I got to watch a year of him; he played well, but as a rookie, kind of stumbled a little bit, and he wasn't spectacular yet, but you could tell he was going to be. So, you know, it was just a lame duck year. He played there and then moved on to Oklahoma City. Um, as far as a move for him personally, 
I like Kevin Durant. He's a great guy. He went to the University of Texas, so he's very beloved around here. Uh, it seemed like a very front-runner move to me, though. To mm-hmm. You're the second best or the third best player in basketball, and you're going to go join the second or third best other player in basketball on a team that won the most games in history last year <laughs> and won the championship two years ago and should have probably should have won it this year. Uh, it just seems like, well, I've just... I'll just go get an easy championship here because I think he's a free agent again next year. I'm probably mistaken. I'll get sharp shot by somebody. But um, I thought it was an unusual move for a guy who I thought would stick around uh, and do more in Oklahoma City. I never hated Oklahoma City. I mean, they just did what a city would do if a team made themselves available through some asshole like Howard (laughs) Schultz. uh, You buy them. You get them. It's a valuable thing to have a sports franchise, and they just took them. Um, I have nothing against the people of Oklahoma City. Uh, Clay Bennett, who, who I call Billy Brushcut, um, just did what he had to do to get a team to Oklahoma City. And I, I wish someone in Seattle would do the same, you know, rob somebody else of their team so they could be heartbroken. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I I don't have the feelings that Luke has and that a lot of people have like, yeah, to hell with you, Oklahoma City. Now you're going to suck. Mm-hmm. Eh. Well, at least they're going to suck. You know, we, we, we're we nothing. We don't have a team in Seattle. So <laughs> I wish we could suck. I was. Can you explain something to me, Mike? Maybe as a non-sport-o, maybe this is just f- so foreign to me, but like players get traded and move all the time, don't they? Yeah, but... and is, So why is this still an emotional thing? Um I think it's because if you have like a once in a generation player, like there are probably five guys in the NBA right now that it would be heartbreaking for your town to lose. And Kevin Durant is one of them. So, um, uh, but are you, are you talking about in player wise or, or losing a team wise? Player wise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, as a sports fan, you wait your whole life for your team to get a chance to draft a guy like Kevin Durant. And then you get him, and then uh, he walks at a certain point. And you feel so much loyalty to him and the team, and then you feel betrayed that he doesn't feel that loyalty because, you know, uh, as a fan, you're like, well, what's the difference between 17 million and 22 million? Right. More money than anyone, any of us are going to see in our lifetime. It's all helicopter money. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, when these guys are in the stratosphere, they are, and they're talking with their agents, and it it becomes sort of competitive, I think, between the players is like, well, look at that guy. He took 17 million. What a jerk, you know? Yeah. I I got 22, you know? Um, They just, they're in a different mindset than we are, and as fans, we sometimes don't get that. Okay. All right. Well, moving on to uh, more local stories. I know this is exciting for all of us, is that Luke sold his Roomba on eBay and got what he refers to as a pool Roomba. (laughs) It's like law of conservations of vacuums over there. If you get another one, you have to get rid of one. So he now has this Nautilus dolphin to clean his pool. I'm a fan of the one in, one out philosophy. How does it work? How does the pool thing work? What does it do? I mean, is it, it's not in the water, Probably just... Yeah, it's underwater. It's like sucks the gunk out of the bottom, oh, okay. like the okay. silt and stuff. It's got to I mean, be heavy then, right? I don't use one in my pool. <laughs> <laughs> I've just I've never seen one, Meredith. Have you ever? I haven't either. No, uh-uh. I don't have a pool. Although I do have a Roomba, and I'm also in a mixed Roomba relationship. 
um, like Luke and Carrie are, because half the reason he got rid of it is because it annoyed her. And <laughs> I, I love the Roomba because it saves me from having to vacuum the Dallas Animal Sanctuary every <laughs> single day. I still vacuum quite a bit because it doesn't cover every single thing, but Duff h- hates it because it's loud and it interrupts his basketball watching. Um, <laughs> so, like, if it goes on when he's watching TV, he will just step on it and, like, throw it under the couch. <laughs> Is it time to but, go on at a certain point? Yeah, it goes on at 2 o'clock every day, and if for some reason there's a basketball game or a something football game, it, it, it's the annoyance is really heightened at that point. Um, but he, he, he doesn't throw it out the window because I'm the one doing most of the cleaning, and so he kind of defers to me, but he really doesn't like it running when he's home. So I try to... That's why it's at two, because usually he's at work, but it also goes on the weekends. Mm. You can't give it the weekend off? You can't program it into, like... Well, I can, but then that means so much more work for me oh, on Monday. Right, right. Me and the Roomba have to work double So time you're just then. hoping on the weekend that he's doing something else besides Like, maybe sitting. he'll be outside yeah. or something. Yeah. So you... Um, but I have... I have caught him looking at newer models online that you can control with your phone, so I think he secretly kind of likes it. He's Roomba porn. <laughs> yeah. He's in his search history. <laughs> yep. Your anniversary present. <laughs> <laughs> so you agree more with Luke then that it's better than nothing. Yeah, you, you do have to babysit it a little bit. I don't tend to run it when I'm gone because it'll get stuck on things. That's what I was going to um, ask. Like it gets corners. But you just have to do, yeah, it, it takes corners just fine. But if you have a particularly high um, stoop between two rooms, a threshold or something, it will get stuck on there. So, but it's pretty, it's pretty tough. It can climb up some stuff. Um, it'll go over rugs. It'll go from wood to rugs, no problem. Um, so you just, we have to do a little prep and pick up cat toys sometimes it'll hook a tennis shoe by the lace and drag it around behind it the whole <laughs> so you know you just you have to do a little picking up but that's stuff i should be doing anyway so it's fine well, that's cool because it kind of gives you a daily reminder you need to like, keep the floor clear yeah pick things up you dummy right. yeah every once in a while i'll hear this oh it got a shoe again <laughs> i'm sort of fascinated by this <clears throat> pool thing though because you think about um if you drop something in the water most things tend to float or even if they sink, they don't really, you know, they're not like stuck to the bottom. This thing has got to be heavy or have some suction, like uh, suction on the, on whatever's making it move, you know, the yeah, the tractor or whatever. Or maybe it's equalized because the water goes into it. And so once it's full, <gasps> then it can be down along the bottom. Right. Yeah. I'm looking it up online right now. And these are burning questions we must answer. It looks like it starts out on the surface and then goes underwater. So it must, yeah, it must fill up or something. Hmm. I'm hesitant to watch a video of it right now, but. Um, <laughs> Why not? They do it on TBTL. Right. I think it will come Open through, will it? <laughs> Add. Ooh. Well, Luke is getting quite a pool education. There's been a fair amount of pool talk off and on, and he seems very delighted by this new world that he's encountering. Well, the thing about having a pool in the Pacific Northwest is it's very delightful for maybe two or three weeks a year. Uh, there's a reason people don't build houses with pools anymore, generally, in the Seattle we've area. Been, it's, we've been thinking about getting a pool. Um, if they weren't like $50,000, we'd have one because it would get a lot of use. Here. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like in, in Central Texas, yeah, you would get use out of your pool maybe seven or eight months. At least, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the other big story this day is that Andrew was upset all weekend uh, when he found out that there were racist lyrics in the version of Lucky Ladybug that he played on the show last week. And 
He's sad for himself because he feels that this precious childhood memory has been ruined. And he's mad at the racism that existed back in the 50s, I guess, was when Lucky Ladybug came out. And so they have an interesting conversation. Uh, uh, Luke wants to know, how culpable are people for using these terms that weren't considered racist back in the day? They were always considered racist. (laughs) No one used that as a term of endearment. That was always a terrible word. Right. It was just, but it was something that you could say without being chastised. It was well, among other white people. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. My, my grandfather used to, he he thought he was being complimentary when he would tell me about, and I'm going to say it. He would, he would say that nigger can play. And, and he, he meant it as a fucking compliment, (laughs) you know? And I was like, but you know, it probably wouldn't be received as such. Not by that. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He would take part of it as a compliment. Yeah, I can. I'm good. I can play. Yeah, but please stop. Well, I remember uh, a story a little bit along the same lines when I was in college and I was uh, visiting my grandparents in Arizona because that's how I roll on my spring breaks in college. Nice. (laughs) And they took me to dinner with my grandmother's brother. At um, 3.30. Yeah. So my great (laughs) uncle and aunt and my grandparents and me, and they started reminiscing over World War II and referring to the nips. And they were just oh. talking casual conversation about the nips. And I was like, you guys, you can't do that. We don't say that anymore. But it was sort of part of their their history. And not, I hesitate to say culture, but it was just a totally accepted piece of terminology. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my, uh, I don't think my granddad used that one, but... Um, but I knew other old people that would just say that and they were not, you know, they were really not trying to be derogatory, but it was just the only word that they knew to refer to those people. And it was, it, it was crazy when you when you're a little kid and you hear that, you go, huh, I don't think that's right. I don't think we should be saying that. <laughs> so what are the words that we use now that 50 years from now, our grandkids, I mean, our grandkids in spirit, I guess, are going to say, oh, my God. Yeah, there have to be a lot of them. We have we're unconsciously saying a lot of yeah, harmful I'm sure stuff. We are. I'm sure. <laughs> we say it only with love, people. Right, right. Anybody who's we listening. don't know any better. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm going to make the announcement on here. We are beginning the process of Song of the Summer. Are we excited? Yay. <laughs> I'm super Yay. excited to be. Um, capped with the Chateau Saint-Michel picnic on August 31st. And everybody, submit your choices, but for God's sakes, include the link and don't submit a whole page of them. Well, hey, I was listening to this talk. The Song of the Summer talk is actually later in the week. Might have even been on the day that I'm going to recap. (laughs) But Andrew was saying that some people were submitting like 10 or 11 songs. Um, and then he said, let's limit your submissions to three. And I thought you're nominating something for song of the summer. What's your song <laughs> of the freaking summer? Yeah. Why there's three? gotta be one. Yeah. Right. I thought he was being extra generous by allowing. Yes. Three. Why are you making this three times harder for yourself? One. What do you think yes. is the song of the summer? Well, there are these three. No. What do you think is the song of the summer? That's my question <laughs> to you. Listener. 
There can only be three. People see that. Here's the thing. This is why I don't like Song of the Summer. People want to push their musical taste onto you. Everyone always, everyone thinks they have good taste in music. I think I do. You guys probably think you do. Are it's 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 individual. I don't want to make Anne and Meredith like the same music as me. They can like their music. I like my music, but everyone thinks that everyone should like their music. So that's why they're submitting eleven songs. You're submitting a fucking playlist <laughs> for song of the summer. Okay, dummies. So pick a song that song. fits this summer that you hear everywhere that all the kids are playing. That's the song of the summer. This summer not four summers ago not of your summer the summer sorry end of rant now i had proposed that we totally pretend that song of the summer wasn't happening but i'm glad that we didn't well, just my blood for that. pressure is <laughs> put your uh, head between your knees mike oh i gotta calm down breathe deeply well i'm hoping that Stu's gonna come through and save us and give us something really good Oh yeah, yeah. Some, I will take a ten-year-old song. Yeah, it, if it's um, has the stew stamp of approval, I'm willing to listen to it. Yes. So more to come on that long, drawn-out music criticism <laughs> from Luke and Andrew <sighs> every day. Hooray! <laughs> and finally, on Tuesday, PBS used uh, old tapes of previous fireworks. <laughs> In their Capitol Fourth <laughs> display, they were very awesome. sneaky about it. But the fact that they went cut back and forth from clear skies to cloudy skies <laughs> kind <laughs> of gave it away. How did they not think that everyone wouldn't figure this out with Twitter? I don't know. I guess, I guess, if I were going to watch fireworks on PBS on the Fourth of July, I would be so stoned I probably wouldn't notice. <laughs> Hey, shout out to Phyllis. She watched them. Not on PBS, but on some other channel. <laughs> she said she was having a great time. She would have noticed, I think. Yeah, She has probably. a pretty critical eye. She would have said, oh, well, that's, that's, uh, that's not the same. And I personally wouldn't care as long as they told us. As long as they are up front and they're not trying yeah, to. Yeah, due to weather conditions, yeah. we've this is old footage or something. Yeah. Well, to, it's the equivalent, I think, if you're watching fireworks on television it's kind of like when you at christmas when you put the yule log channel on <laughs> my mom loves that entertainment <laughs> my mom has that yule log on all day yeah i got nothing i don't hate i don't hate on the yule log it's just <laughs> it is what it is i mean it's very passive entertainment mm -hmm. and that should do us for tuesday all right well what uh you're taking us into wednesday right Anne? oh i am that's right. Let's go to Wednesday then. 2157, Haughty Haughty with a Banging Body. Let's talk about that title for a second. Let's. <laughs> um, first of all, Haughty, H-O-D-D-Y, that, that was new to me. That was good information mm -hmm. to have. It's sort of a, mm -hmm. a, a caddy for brick bricklayers, yep. I think. Yeah. Um, but I think Andrew meant to type Haughty, like H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Mm -hmm. And instead, it was H-A-U-T-Y, which is not a word, I don't think. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, um, but a hottie isn't necessarily a real word either. The H-O-D-D-Y. But it was something well, they hashed over on the show that's a thing. and right. determined to be something. But 
Hottie, I gave him the benefit of the doubt at the beginning when I saw H-A-U-T-Y that it was like someone pretending to be high above everyone, like French haute. Mm-hmm. Well, that so if you Google H-A-U-T-Y, it says, do you mean H-A-U-G-H-T-Y? Yeah. Otherwise, it's some lingerie company. So you may want to look it up, Mike. Yeah, I just thought this might be one of the, I mean, there's there's been over 2,000 shows. There's bound to be some mistakes in the in the titles, but. Well, that whole discussion sure. really just confused me. So I went with it. <laughs> there was too much spelling mm-hmm. talk, I think. Yeah. <laughs> And our first story is about Luke's, what he characterized as a borderline run-in with his wall builder, which I would characterize as a run-in, sort of. Yeah. And If he, it had been in person. Yeah. It was a confrontation. Yeah. It's yeah. an email confrontation. A text one. Text, yeah. right. And so this person that they hired at the height of wall building season on a few days notice um, kept uh, leaving to get parts Uh, stated that he couldn't work during the middle of the day, I guess the end of the day as well, because it was too hot, had several (laughs) days when he just didn't show up. And for this, they were paying him $35 an hour, plus $15 for his kid, the aforementioned hottie, which seems like a ginormous ripoff. But the kid did have a banging body to be... There for his looks, not for his skills. <laughs> right. And uh, I, I think that they n- knew that this was a possibility going into it. And so they weren't really surprised. But they eventually, uh, I feel that they gave this guy a lot more uh, rope than I would have. But eventually, after a few days, they decided to cut him loose. And uh, there was a snippy text exchange between him and Luke. And Luke's pretty proud of himself that the big dog stayed firmly chained, I think. Well, luckily, this was the sort of contracting job that was non-essential to their life. Like, it wasn't someone putting a roof on their house. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you can do that. But the reason people put up with contractors a lot of times is because for just the reason that they did, uh, you know, you're in the middle of the window in the Seattle area where you can get some construction done and you've decided at the last minute to get this stuff done, you have to take what you can take. And, you know, like if this were Texas and there were like nine or 10 months window when things can get done, you just say, ah, get rid of this guy and get another guy. But, you know, this building a wall in July on short notice in Seattle is, you know, it's an iffy thing. So you get someone to come out and then you just hope they keep coming out. (laughs) Right. Until you just can't take it anymore. But yeah, they're building a, an external wall and it, it's, you know, it's not like someone working on your plumbing and you can't take a shower. So, you know, I'm I'm glad they gave the guy the boot, but mm-hmm. who knows when this wall's ever going to get done. And he seemed to, Luke seemed to at least have some sort of perspective on that, even though their front yard looks like a, a war zone. <laughs> right. He just... <laughs> Uh, came to the realization that it was going to be what it was going to be, and it was okay. And that's personal growth. Yeah. And then I'm glad they haven't decided to try to do that thing themselves. Or continue to make Carrie do it herself. (laughs) Without even a hottie. No, no. Banging body or not, she would even (laughs) not have a hottie. Right. And this leads to Andrew talking a little bit about 
contractors and telling a contractor story from New Hampshire who was seemed to be sneering at him, looking down on him and providing generally poor customer service. And I don't know, Andrew's a little bit sensitive to interactions with human beings anyway, but I, I don't doubt that this contractor was unpleasant and he wants to know why contractors so often are so awful. And if we have any contractors listening, I'm sure the vast majority of you are lovely. Either that or you are one in a million. You treasure you. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Uh, contractors don't seem to necessarily have to have the same people skills. They have skills that we don't and we're at their mercy. Um, and I think every homeowner has, has contractor nightmares. Um, but we... The problem we've had here is getting people to come to our house. Like we have all these projects that we want to do and we call people and they're like two months booked out, three months booked out, a year booked out, or they never call us back. Um, so just when somebody shows up, we're like, do whatever, <laughs> you know, just you can screw us around as much as you want. Just please just do it eventually. Um, and luckily we just had our fireplace redone and that was an amazingly smooth process we found a very good contractor and we are going to never share his name with anyone and keep him to ourselves forever <laughs> yeah that's the thing we like you so much we're not going to tell anybody about you yeah. so you remain unbooked for whatever yep sabotage him on angie's list <laughs> yeah i'll give you some of my uh, fake accounts that i i review steven on itunes okay right? good good so the top story of the day i believe is that the New York Times published a story that tech support is purposely ineffective. And in fact, uh, when surveyed, I think this was managers of uh, support companies said that 92% of their agents could be more effective. Wait, I still don't fully understand why, just because they can make you listen to more ads? I, I don't. I was going to say, do you think these people are really that calculating? And then I realized that was a stupid question. Of course, they're that calculating. <laughs> I've, I've long held the belief that um, the, these customer service lines and particularly like in the insurance and the medical like uh, office type staff, everything's designed to make you want to give up. Right. Mm -hmm. And just pay it or just do it or put up with whatever it is, whatever problem that you have that you have to be you have to be dogged to get through and get your problem solved because they just hope that you'll just go ah fuck it and you'll give up and and pay or do it yourself mm -hmm. right. if anybody ever needs somebody to beat the insurance company into submission i'll give you my dad's number because he should be a contractor he's a wonder <laughs> it it made for some unpleasant times being lectured growing up, but he can get what he wants from just about anybody. Mm -hmm. That's a very valuable skill. And Duff is great at that. I'm not so great at that. Like if I call the cable company up and I'm like, I need a discount or I need whatever, I'll just be like, I'll ask once and they say no. And I'm like, all right, bye. Yeah. <laughs> and so if, if it's something we really need to negotiate, he, I have to hand him over to Duff right. for the nuclear option and he gets it done. Yeah. I would say Emily is that for me. She doesn't like doing it, but she's better at it than me. He likes it when it works. It gives him a charge, I right. think. <laughs> we got a year free show time. Yes. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> well, the guys sort of hash out a few uh, possible 
um, reasons for uh, the problems with tech support. And one of the things they hit on is that uh, problems these days are just more difficult to solve because customers are so much more tech savvy that they have already rebooted the computer and unplugged and replugged everything and Googled possible right. problems. And so anytime mm -hmm. they actually get to tech support, it's um, more likely to actually be a serious problem, which I think yeah, is we, we've really all been valid. You know, we've all been pantsed by tech support, you know, mm -hmm. with, the, with the reboot or the, mm -hmm. so we just want to avoid that, like, never mind when you <laughs> call in and they say, have you turned it on and off? Uh, let me do that now. Oh, it's fixed. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, we try to avoid that now. And so, yeah, yep. we're a little further down the line now when we call. Yep. And the other thing that they talk about is something that Luke has come back to a few times over the years, and that's the idea of the language barrier with so many uh, call centers being outsourced to other countries that um, – and he's always very careful. He dances around it a little bit. He wants to say that he's not impugning the competence of any of these ages, agents, but just that there is a language barrier. And I think that that holds true even with people in the United States. If I call somewhere that, and I can tell that it's a call center in Georgia, I'm going to have a lot more difficult time understanding the Georgia accent. Right, right. You're, but there's always... They 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 try now to be very relatable and they try to use your use your name as much as they can and I had a an actually a funny exchange with uh, I was calling about I have a uh, Bank of America Mastercard that has a Seattle Mariners logo on it and the woman I talked to I think she was in Maryland and she says oh it looks like you've had uh, a Seattle uh, no, Seattle Marines um, Card with us since 2002. <laughs> and I'm not going to correct her, you know, but I'm like, here we go. We're trying to be, you know, they're trying to kind of get on your side. And <laughs> Well, I experienced the same thing when I was a teaching assistant in grad school. And in my program, there were probably about 15 of us, <clears throat> excuse me, in my class. And there were only four of us who were native English speakers. And I would venture to say that all those people from, it was mostly Asia, but we had a couple of people from Africa. I would say that they were better statisticians than me. They had a better understanding. But I would sub occasionally for my friend Edgar from Togo. And when I would walk in that room, they just got these looks of relief on their faces of the students. Mm. And I had a couple of people come up to me afterwards and say, are you going to be our TA for the rest of the semester? And I say, no. And Edgar was a great statistician, but just the fact that he was other made that a barrier for them. Hmm. I work with, I mean, I'm a statistician too, and biostatisticians, uh, I, I, our group is pretty well mixed up um, race-wise. And the more I work with people, the more their accents become familiar to me and I have no problem understanding them. It's a, a little challenging at first, but we did have one PhD in our department from Taiwan who was, he talked so fast in English and his English wasn't very good that he, you could have a whole several sentences where you didn't understand a single word that he said. And so there was a lot of smiling and nodding and, Hey, could you put that in an email <laughs> to me? <laughs> and I just didn't know how else to deal with it. And it wasn't just me. It was everybody. Uh, and, and, and it was tough, but 
I mean, tr- imagine going to some other country and trying to do your job in their language mm-hmm. as a non-native speaker. I just I try to put myself in their shoes and, and have a lot of empathy for it. But it does make things it, it can be an extra challenge, but it's nothing I'm going to get xenophobic about. Right. And I feel guilty sometimes asking them to repeat themselves. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to do? Just you have to communicate mm-hmm. with your coworkers. Yeah. And the end of this conversation, they uh, find what I'm calling service cheat codes from dialahuman.com, which will give you what are essentially cheat codes of what buttons to push in the telephone uh, answering system to get you straight to someone who can solve your problem. I think it's kind of interesting that, I mean, at least when I am going to call for customer service of some kind, I'm never in a gray area i either don't want to talk to anybody mm-hmm. or i want to talk to somebody immediately i'm never in that you know like eh, i'm not sure if i need to talk to somebody so it should be right up front it should be do you want this to be has the, has that automated system ever just solved your problem and then you hung up oh uh, if it's something real simple like like the, it used to be when you would get your replacement credit card or whatever like um Oh, to activate yeah, it? Yeah, to activate it. They sure. would guide you to somebody who tried to get you into all their... their um, oh. oh, no. The computerized promos. version of that is actually an improvement. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So that's the time when you, you're like... If they put you in touch with somebody, you're like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Click. I'll do it online. My, my new fucking Discover card that I never use, and you now yeah. i got to talk to some asshole? <laughs> all right. So... Let's move on. Well, we had an email from Christy from Chicago who loves sailboats as much as Luke. But I'm more interested in talking about this because in her voicemail, I guess it is, she uses the phrase ass from the underground. And that takes <laughs> Luke and Andrew down a long tangent about things that we don't know our ass from. A hole in the ground is what I usually yeah. hear. Mm-hmm. Or elbow. I've heard that one too. Right. But the, I like this. Ass from the underground. It doesn't make a lot of sense. No, and Luke kept trying to make it make sense. And I was thinking to myself, but that's the whole point. Stop. Just just let right. it let it flow. I did like his ass from the Waffle House variation. <laughs> right. no, that was good. I would advise you to not Google this. <laughs> I just did ass it. Ass from the I Waffle House? It. No, the underground. Oh, okay. Really? <laughs> yeah, just don't. <laughs> so you think... I mean, obviously, this woman that left the voicemail, that's a thing for her. Mm-hmm. That's something that she said And she her was whole in life. Chicago, so maybe it's a Midwest thing. I never heard it. Mm-mm, me neither. Maybe it's a Chicago thing. Hmm. But it does, well, it's it, a good it, phrase. It does kind of um, lead us into the next part of that is uh, scathingly versus scathingly. <laughs> um, Andrew. Oh, Susie. He. Urban Dictionary is what he uses right up front to look up words. <laughs> he doesn't use Dictionary.com first. He goes right to Urban Dictionary. Well, it is a dictionary, well, and he does get his Urban Dictionary word of the day. Oh, it's probably a that's tab. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you go- but if you Google that, maybe that's the first thing that comes up because it's not actually a word. No. You know what I mean? Maybe that Urban Dictionary is the first result. It is. Yeah. Huh. That's why. Huh. And then dictionary.com gives you scathing. With a yeah, it goes, are you sure you're not a moron? That's what dictionary.com <laughs> right. says. Yes. Well, this is a great mom story. And it actually made me think of <clears throat> something that my mother says. And now I pray to God that she doesn't listen to this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out her. <laughs> oh, God. So whenever she 
is talking about somebody else who is upset and yelling at somebody, she will say, oh, she just went ballistics on her. (laughs) So it's like she's almost there. Oh, your aunt was just ballistics. It's adorable. I think once you've started saying something like that, you can't hear it. When other people say it, you just, your mind fills in the blank and you say, oh yeah, yeah, they just said ballistics. No, they didn't. But in your mind, they did. Well, my husband doesn't listen to this show anymore. So I can say that one of the things, one of his quirks is when he's talking about somebody's way of being, he'll just say, yeah, that's just their mode of operandi. Oh, <laughs> so many times. No, honey, it's modus. Oh, you told it's him? a Latin word. Oh Yeah. But he, it's stuck in his head. Oh. Like he knows it's wrong, but he can't not say it that way now. Oh, good for you for saying something. Because yeah, you don't. Oh, you I don't always be out do. With because people and he says that, and then it, yeah. and then I have to hide under the table. For <laughs> you have to minutes. dive under the table. Yeah. Well, and it's I. I would want to be corrected because I don't want to look like a right. fool. Like correct me in a safe space in right, private, right. and then so that I don't look like a fool elsewhere. Um, but it's like jammed in his brain, and he can't get it out. Oh, poor bastard. I know. <laughs> All right, I think that uh, finishes out Wednesday. All right, well, I'll do Thursday, 2158. Strict dut structionist. Did I say that right? This dut thing is getting so. a little far afield. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of it, but maybe it'll, hopefully it'll go away, uh, unlike Song of the Summer. Um, Luke <laughs> is in Branson, Missouri. Is it Missouri? Uh-huh. Yes. Branson, Missouri for Discover Santa. There are a thousand Santas there in July, which sounds like torture for those fellas. But they, they're they the ones putting on the suits. So, you know, I, I don't want to hear a Santa complaining about how hot it is when he, he's the one who put on the suit. <laughs> I don't um, understand because everybody knows that there's only one Santa, Mike. There's only one real Santa. But there are a lot of fat fellas who... Uh, <laughs> Who like having children sit on their laps? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I I was told more than once when I was a fat, jolly, red-cheeked gentleman with a little gray <laughs> growing in my beard uh, back in the day that I would be a wonderful Santa, and I that it just wasn't for me. Do you take that as a compliment? Or I did not? not take it as a compliment. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think I would. I tried to take it well, but and people mean well when they when they say, "Oh, you, why don't you? You should be a Santa." You know, no, no, I'm not looking to cash in on my fatness <laughs> and my and the, the gray that's growing in my beard. Not not for me. Um, but this Santa thing, I mean, there there's like a hierarchy. Like they were taking the Santa group photo, and certain t- Santas get to be in the front, and others, you know have to like jump up and down in the back and hope hope that they can get their jolly cheeks above the other guys as the shutter goes. I mean, I, it just, it shows me that everywhere you go, there's a pecking order. Like even like in, in prison, you're in prison. You did a, a crime, a terrible, th- terrible thing, but you still have to look down on some other group of prisoners. These Santas, you know, there's a there's a top shelf Santa and a bottom shelf Santa, but they're all going to to the convention. And there's one guy who's like the king of the Santas, right? The one who they always use in parades, well, and TV shows. Technically, he was vice Santa, but then the the president Santa never showed up, and then when he right. did, he resigned. <laughs> um, there's more uh, poop talk. Uh, Luke almost pooped on stage. <laughs> 
with was it at the Santa convention? I'm having trouble. Yeah, well, they're taking the picture, I think. Oh, trying to uh, record the promos on the fly. Oh, yep. <laughs> well, I sort of identify with because Luke was talking about when he was a kid and when he was playing baseball, he always felt like he had to pee. I totally had that. Like before every every sports thing or every play I was in or whatever, I I felt like I had to pee. I would. You know, there would be such a little time to get it done, but I would run and I'd go and of course I didn't have to pee. But the upside of it is by the time you got back to the the, the field or the stage or wherever it was, there was no time to be nervous again because you were probably almost late to to get out there. Is that just a nerve response? I don't like know what that is. I don't I mean there has to be some psychological or physiological I remember I used to walk home from, from middle school and high school and it was a pretty long walk uphill both ways in the snow and even if I went right before I left school as soon as I walked like turned the corner onto my street I had to go so (laughs) bad and it would be this thing where if I didn't have my keys in my hand like there was going to be a problem I had to like get into the house as like run down the street to my house yeah it's like some sort of like you know Pavlov Mm -hmm. response or something but absolutely well like go ahead Ann. I I think that it definitely um there is a a nervous system response to that in in a, a nervous situation, whether it's athletic or whether it's public speaking, because I've certainly had it um, like before the first big uh, solo that I sang in choir with a, a full orchestra and a choir in front of 300 people. I had some rumblies in my tummy for that one. Mm. And that was that was. I don't normally get nervous about that sort of stuff, but that was a pretty bad one. Yeah, I, I will say, but before I robbed my first bank, I I did have explosive diarrhea, which I had to drive back to the hotel that I'd stayed in, and and go into the guest bathroom. Oh, in the lobby, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have time to go. And it made me about fifteen minutes later than I wanted to be to rob that bank. By the way, ugh, yeah, I hate when that happens. Yeah, so I I think I graduated um, from as a smaller kid having that thinking I having to pee uh, into later on actually throwing up before anything I was nervous about. And then later on graduated to explosive diarrhea before something I was nervous to do. What's the step after that? I don't know. Hopefully I'll just die (laughs) of a massive coronary because I, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's just, I I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. So I, I, I'll, hopefully I'll just die of a heart attack before I do whatever it is I'm so nervous to do. Um, Andrew is going to lunch with Bean. And maybe you guys can remind me, why does he think he needs a gas station attendant shirt? Because they're having lunch with someone named Red or Whitney who hosts a rockabilly show. Oh, right, right. So, And so he wants to get in good with her. So he goes and finds like his, you know, ironic gas station shirt and he said he went, went into his closet and said something about a jock strap that's all i've got in my notes about that <laughs> and do you upsetting. have any notes on that because i have a story uh no go ahead um when i was in uh college um we took a road trip on spring break not to see my grandparents because you know i'm not i'm not as fancy <laughs> you're not as, baller like me <laughs> baller like we we took a road trip to southern california and we um our we were in a an rv or something and we had some problem with the rv and so we were at some gas station for a few hours near santa barbara and of course you know we need to use the restroom and there was 
the restroom had a closet and the closet was unlocked and there were all the attendants shirts in there and there were two guys i think it was like jose and dave and jose's shirts were like small and dave's shirts were like 2x <laughs> and we took them all oh like all of them 15 shirts you know because i think these guys that they would just wear a clean shirt every day and then they'd wash them and then you know um weekly or whatever so there were there were a bunch of shirts so we took them and then when we got back it was softball season so the the team that that we put together we th- those were our uniforms so the smaller guys got the jose's <laughs> <laughs> and the bigger guys got that did i say dave mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah not doug uh doug <laughs> so the the if you're larger you got the you got the dave so nobody was really in a shirt that fit but <laughs> it was you know we were just ironic way before our time wearing these gas station attendant shirts we looked pretty sharp i thought but i think some of the some of the Jose's that were wearing smalls that were actually like mediums or large guys, they had little trouble. Their movement was a little restricted sometimes. I think we could have played better had had we like cut some sleeves off or maybe not made those guys button up. But you look good. Yeah, we looked. I mean, we're the only guys with uniforms out there. Very ironic. Yeah, I, it's in important. a mural team with uniforms. Come on. Yeah. Um, let's see. The next thing. Um, the Barry Williams Variety Hour. Luke's wants Luke wants to go to this show. I'm not so sure I'd be that excited to go. <laughs> I, does Does he just like watching a train wreck? Is that I don't know. I I, I don't know. Uh, kitsch factor. It, yeah, it's to me. If I'm gonna, bo- I don't go to many shows or concerts or whatever. Like if I'm gonna bother to go, I want it to be something really good. You know, yeah. really entertaining, not just. Like, oh, get a load of this asshole. That's not what I'm paying money to go to. No. Uh, the picnic they mentioned again, Wednesday, August 31st, where they will announce the winner of Song of This Summer. Uh, Luke and Andrew both uh, cleared their throat. They do a little duet, um, which was, <laughs> was surprisingly good. I thought that, I thought they nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a town for sale. This is the top story, a town for sale in Colorado. And as usual, um, Andrew is dubious and figures out that the town is like 15 square feet. Yeah. It just sounds like a (laughs) compound more than a town. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a street corner you're buying for (laughs) 350 grand. And that was the, the audio they played. What was that from? That guy was, was so weird. He was creepy. I thought he laughed really creepily. Yes. Well, I think he's desperate. He's got this piece of garbage land on his hands that he bought some time ago and did nothing with mm-hmm. it. So like, here, take this piece of shit, sorry, and off my hands. I let it deteriorate even further. And now you have to deal with it. Like, he's got to be as cheery as he can be to try and sell this thing. Yeah, it's, he sounded like desperate. I mean, I think the, the, the desperation made it creepier. <laughs> One thing I was wondering is he said that the town died because there was a robbery. Like, is that how towns, like, why would people just everyone move? <laughs> well, there's one robbery. Well, the one person. I guess they killed the one person who lived there. I don't know. I, we're in this ne- next door neighborhood association. and Oh, boy. Boy. 
people are, you know, they'll just post something and say, someone just tried to kick down my back door, you know, at eight o'clock and they'll get into the post and they'll start giving out the details and they're like, well, my dog barked. So it must have been, <laughs> it had to be all right, you know. Um, the last thing I have for Thursday was Andrew, um, Andrew was playing because, uh, um, what's the show? Prairie Home Companion is finally over with. <sighs> May it rest in peace. Um, there was a, a promo he heard for Capital Steps and they played some of that. And I have to say that while I do not like Prairie Home Companion and, um, I've never enjoyed Garrison Keillor. I mean, I, I like the content of Writer's Almanac and I wish someone else was reading it. But uh, Capital Steps has to be something that, I mean, it makes me cringe. Yeah, yeah that's to, that's pretty bad. It is the lowest form of public radio humor. But what's amazing to me is the people that are into it are so into it. I mean, they're, the people at those shows, uh, it doesn't matter what the performer says. They, I've already decided it's hilarious. <laughs> To to have such an audience, I mean, it, it's like it's like they've taken this capital step, steps drug. Well, no wonder they still do it. Oh yeah, I mean, they, these people probably think they're hilarious because they've mm-hmm. been given this feedback by. I don't know. I mean, please. I mean, I want to be sharp shot on this one. If you're a capital steps fan, tell me. I'm. I won't. I won't make fun of you. I want to know why. What's what's so what's so great about it? What am I missing? Maybe it's Cause just... I kind of know what I'm missing with Prairie Home Companion because, you know, it's very comforting and it's it's uh, and there's, you know, there's some musical, a lot of musical talent and the, vo- the and the sound effects guy. And, you know, there's a lot of writing that goes into it. It's just not for me. But Capital Steps, I don't understand why it's for anyone. <laughs> you know what this makes me think of? It makes me think about Nicolas Cage. That's because why is that? <laughs> there are certain famous people actors let's say that i don't think are attractive it's not for me like keanu reeves for example all right he a decent looking guy not for me nicholas cage i don't get it i don't understand i have a friend who refers to him as her boyfriend and i'm Mm. like i i don't know it's i didn't know people considered him hunky i i think there was a time there was a no there wasn't a time he was, no. he was smoky. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, I can't, I can't see it. For... And I, I think uh, this is the same Moonstruck? thing. Moonstruck? Nicholas Cage? No. No. No? Still uh-uh. no? No. Hmm. I'm, I'm that way no. with Winona Ryder. <laughs> There's no. nothing. I no. just... and Oh, oh, Andrew McCarthy. I, I don't understand how he was ever in any movie. He just made his Andrew McCarthy face. What is that? It wasn't even attractive, but like women, oh, Andrew McCarthy. What? No. Him and Winona Ryder, and I guess we can throw Nicolas Cage on there, just send them all out into the bay and give them a Viking funeral. (laughs) And everyone from Capital Steps, unless somebody can justify Capital Steps to me. Yes, that's my point in this. I think it's just a totally comedic, a different comedic sensibility. I I think there's no understanding it for those of us who don't have that kind of (laughs) sense of humor. Yeah, you 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 don't understand how Nicolas Cage could be for anybody, Mm-mm. is what you're saying. Mm-mm. Is there anyone like that for you, Meredith? Um, well, if you saw my TBTL newsletter, I think it was last summer or something, 
um, Phil Collins was my uh. crush. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I mean, I get objectively like why nobody has a crush on him, but I kind of still do. Uh, I can y- see it. Yeah. I I can always, I can always um, kind of get there. I can always see how you can have a crush on somebody who's really talented, no matter you know how they look or act or whatever. If it, oh, I think he's cute. Yeah, well, that that's yeah. But you wouldn't think he's cute if he wasn't Phil Collins, though, right? If he was maybe some guy you saw at the grocery totally store, my you would go like, "All right, let me get up next to oh, this I five might. foot two motherfucker." I think he's dapper. I I like the bald guys. Oh, true. and now he's got that silver fox thing going yeah. on with his beard, and so yeah, that that kind of guy would turn my head. Uh, back in his mullet days, maybe not so much, but. Um, I think he's kind of a hunk. Did still. you know that he collects Texas memorabilia, particularly I did know war that. memorabilia? Uh, hmm. I was going to say I'm Texas memorabilia, but I'm not war <laughs> memorabilia. Well, let him collect me. Mm. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm done with Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Friday, 2159, The Problem with I. I did not like this title when I saw it, and I didn't like it when it came up. Um irritating bad grammar yeah, it's a I swing hope and a miss. after a typo mm-hmm. earlier in the week they're really on a bad roll at the time yeah um luke is in a rented hyundai elantra behind a cracker barrel um is he in atlanta or is he still in missouri i was a little confused he said on springfield point, missouri outside and of then he atlanta. Said atlanta i don't know i guess <laughs> well, I'm confused. It is. technically springfield missouri is outside atlanta <laughs> i guess way it is, outside yeah. atlanta. <laughs> so he's somewhere on assignment for cbs surely um andrew took a nap and almost slept through the show and we kind of go backwards through that story to understand how he came to be there but he's groggy and confused because he just woke up from a nap which is the worst feeling Mm -hmm. in the world um what happened is he woke up for some reason really early and decided to just get a start on his day and go grocery shopping and I second that. I, I love going grocery shopping at off hours. I don't like to wake up super early, but if I happen to be awake, mm-hmm. it's a good time to get stuff done. There's no traffic and there's good parking. And if things are 24 hours, you've pretty much got the store to yourself, which I love. Well, the um, We have an HEB Plus near us, which is basically like a super, super, supermarket with all the... It has stores within it and garden and all this bullshit. And since I have a uh, busted foot, Excuse me. I have uh, a couple times gone over there early in the morning because uh, I have I've taken to riding one of the little scooters sometimes. Nice. You know? oh, so fun. if there's nobody there, it's easy. The if lark you, scooters, the one with the big basket in the front. Yes, exactly. Um, and I got to tell you, it was a big piece of pride to swallow, but it it's actually pretty fun when when there's nobody there. It's pretty awful. When you go at five o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. so I would never. Oh, trying to navigate around other <laughs> I would never people. Never do that again. No. Yeah, I'll just grab a cart and just lean on it, if if it comes right. to that. But, but yeah, get get yourself on a rascal and uh, and head on around the H E B at uh, eight in the morning. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fantastic. That sounds great. They also talk about flying early in the morning, which I'm a fan of. I will take the first flight anytime. Um, the, the morning grogginess isn't a problem for me because I'm always so amped about possibly missing my flight. Mm-hmm. So I will wake up before, way before mm-hmm. my alarm <laughs> at three in the morning and get ready to go. And, um, you know, it's an easy drive. The airport's not busy. It's great. So if you're a morning person, you know, cheers. Um, Luke is covering some story about speed stacking 
uh, which I still don't really understand what it is. I guess I should watch this story. Do you guys know I've seen what it. he's talking about? Yeah. Is it just stacking cups on each yeah, other? Yeah, plastic cups. Really fast? Just, you have, you have so much, you have to make so many different formations in a certain amount of time. You know, you, it's, okay. a, it's a time contest. So it's not just stacking them into one giant tower? No, it's you stack and then you restack and restack and restack. And Luke said that he tried it and it made him winded. Like it's physically taxing. <laughs> God <laughs> bless him. Which I can see that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And then and then he was sort of embarrassed. Like, yeah, of course the host is supposed to not be as good at, as the pro, but it, it it started to make him feel really bad. I would never feel bad about not having a useless skill. Like spinning a basketball <laughs> on my finger. I, I'm pretty good at basketball or was pretty good at basketball, but I never could spin a basketball on my finger. And that's because it has no useful, practical application in the sport so i never spend any time doing it that. does if you're a harlem globetrotter right right that's if you're one true. of the 10 people in the world that's going to be a harlem globetrotter <laughs> it has some application but in the actual playing of the basketball game it holds no you know you you can't oh well he gets to travel because he's spinning the ball on his <laughs> finger so get out oh, of his sure, way sure that's the rule the, the guys always go to like the evolutionary standpoint which i don't think is necessarily always applicable to the modern world like everything we do doesn't go back to caveman days and certainly this doesn't and i think basketball spinning would would fit into that yeah, category right. you don't need it. humans have come up with all sorts of other garbage that that we don't need to do to survive well i'm looking forward to seeing so, this story i he, he's yes. going to be interacting with kids which he's always good at and he's regardless of how embarrassed he is on the inside he's always game to try something right. and kind of make a fool of himself in this stuff. And he never ends up looking like a fool. So I think it'll be a fun piece. Yeah. So who knows when that'll come out, but we should all go watch that. Um, the big news of today is that Steve Nelson's going to NPR. Yeah, oh my goodness. His, his demeanor was always going to take him to a bigger public radio place. Cause he just, he, his personality screams public radio. Mm hmm. So he's, he's yeah, he's going to be slightly down for a joke, but he's always, you know, he's never going to be the <laughs> one to make it. So, yes, we wish you the best, yeah. Steve. And and Andrew recommended our own Mike as a replacement. What do you think about <laughs> that, Mike? Replacement for Steve Nelson? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. That, I talk about uh, public radio demeanor. Not <laughs> me. I'd like to hear it. But. Oh sure. Yeah. I, as their boss. You better believe Luke would have turned in his review by now. <laughs> I would kick his fucking ass. How does how does Nelson let Luke slide like that? I don't know. Everyone lets Luke slide. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to confess I'm I got a little bit worried, just a little bit when they announced this because whoever the new boss is, will he have the same tolerant attitude mm. towards TBTL that Steve Nelson has shown? I don't know. I just was hoping they were going to promote Stubot. Yeah. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. But uh, alas, he seems a little bit like me, like too, too little, <laughs> too much personality, I guess. Slightly too irreverent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't know what he's going to tweet at two in the morning. Yeah. So moving on to the bummer news of the century, um, the guys talk about not talking about all the tragic things that have happened in the last couple of weeks, starting with Orlando. Uh, ending up with Dallas, and they talk about their philosophy on covering this stuff. Um, and 
about uh, just how two people emailed them and and i know more than two people have contacted us about Mm -hmm. it um, so, so I know that the tens have been wondering about this and apparently not reaching out to Luke and Andrew that much. Um, but, but we've had several people contact us as a group or individually, including the guest on our last Friday show, Kim, which turned into a really awesome show where you guys got into some of this stuff, mm-hmm. right, Mike? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't heard that, go, go back and listen. And, and, and you guys discuss the possibilities of why Luke and Andrew haven't talked about these things and you got it right. I think, um, part of what they feel is what are they going to add to this discussion? And, and, and part of it is that they don't, they've never been the news show for your breaking top stories of the day um, that everyone else is talking about. That's why our top stories are about like guys shitting in gas station bathrooms and, <laughs> and bears and you know, whatever. So people don't come to TBTL for that. But I, I think in this case with all this stuff that's been going on, it, it almost feels personal to a lot of the listeners. And I think it would be helpful for the guys to at least acknowledge it because it feel it hurts like it almost physically hurts us. And TBTL is a show about culture and our culture. Yes. And so at a certain point, the stories move from an individual news story into more of a, a cultural thing. And then I think at that point, it is appropriate for them to address it. Yeah. And what, what occurred to me is, do you guys remember when, when the earthquake in Japan happened and they did this whole Japan Why It Matters mm-hmm. show? They spun it into a supportive thing. Um, and so they didn't shy away from that, and they turned it into a celebration of Japan. Uh, that would be a lot harder to do in these awful situations. But they can—they have covered these awful current events in interesting TBTL kind of ways. Yeah, I think I would struggle in their position <clears throat> knowing what to do because every time one of these things happens, I mean, all I, all I, my only reaction is, really? And I'm fucking believable, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. <laughs> so... I mean, I have a hard time until much later, you know, months, years later, kind of really getting a proper perspective on it because I just get so angry. I've been really angry about these things. And and Jeremy asked me if I would talk about this a little bit on the show as somebody who lives in Mm -hmm. Dallas. Now, I've only lived in Dallas for a couple of years, but having something as awful as this happen right downtown in a city that I live in now is a special kind of scary. Um, And it. I knew a little bit about the Dallas police before this happened and it made it seem even more heinous because they have a pretty good reputation. Um, They don't have a bad rep for excessive force or brutality and they've actually made a concerted effort in the last like five or six years, I think under the current chief towards deescalation. So they've, they've really made an effort on community outreach and they've, they're trying to make better relationships with the communities and it's been effective and they're very transparent about their uses of force, which not all departments are. They don't have to be. They're voluntarily tracking and publishing their stats on officer involved shootings and use of force and things like that. And that doesn't mean there aren't issues. Of course there are. Um, but they seem committed to changing. And and I think an internal culture shift is what needs to happen within each police department. Since there's no oversight, there's no like one, you know, the pre- there's no president of police who can say this is our culture now. So each department has to take that. And it seems like Dallas has been doing that and they've been doing a good job. So the fact that this happened here seems just especially hurtful because these cops were protecting peaceful protesters who were protesting cops. Right. Mm-hmm. right. They weren't, you can scroll through the Twitter feed. I think it's at Dallas PD, and I would recommend doing so. Go back to that night before the shooting. They were up. They were p- 
posting pictures of cops and protesters smiling in arm in arm. And they were updating on where the protest was and how it was going and everything's great. It was peaceful. They weren't wearing riot gear. They weren't, you know, they weren't expecting anything like this. They, they, their stated position on protest is to be there and support it and do nothing as long as it's peaceful, you know? And I just, I don't know if there's any words and I don't think I can say anything more that hasn't been said about how awful it is. Um, but I just, why here? Why here? <laughs> this is not the place for this. These, these people, no one deserves this, right. but they, they have been trying so hard to avoid these problems. Well, I was listening to Obama's speech um, that he delivered from Europe uh, yesterday, uh, Saturday now, and he was talking about guns and how there were, you know, how how having guns be such a part of our culture really complicates things in situations like this because there were protesters who were open carrying mm -hmm. at the yes. time. And then as soon as shots start being fired, you know, they're immediately suspects. And but they're doing nothing. Nothing right. Illegal. They're doing they're doing nothing illegal. But because but because we we <laughs> because there are guns everywhere now, uh, we have to we have to be on the lookout for a shootout. You know. Yes. Like, okay. The I don't want to get too far into it, but I mean, the sniper starts opening fire on the cops. They don't know where the shots are coming from. Um, maybe the open carry people want to help. And they unholster their weapons, and now they look like the shooter. And now we're in some sort of a weird crossfire shootout. I mean, where does it end? It's impossible. It's impossible unless there's some sort of like you wear a big sign on your head that says, I'm a good guy with a right. gun. <laughs> and we have to believe you. Because there, there was one guy, I forget what his name was, but they were circulating pictures of him. And he was an African-American guy who was carrying a rifle. And they called him a suspect. He was a person of interest. Mm -hmm. And so there was pictures of him everywhere. And they, they, he turned himself in as soon as he realized they were looking yeah. for him. But he had nothing to do with it. But for a long time, it was, we, everybody thought it was him yeah. for several yeah. hours. And he was just a guy who was doing something he was perfectly legally allowed to do. I don't agree with it. I think it's creepy and escalating um, rather than protecting. Yeah. But that's my opinion. I think whenever, whenever these things happen um, and someone, a politician, let's say, rhymes with rump, uh, says, well, <laughs> things would Who have been improved be? if if more people were carrying guns in this situation. So I always just hear, if you're saying something like that, I hear you say, well, I'm pro shootout. You right. know, I'm pro Wild West. Just everyone just start blasting. Well, and, and this is Texas. People open carry here. No one stopped it. Right. Right. No one helped. No none one of those, stopped it. They none all of those ran, people just with like rifles does were able to stop it. Right. Mm -hmm. And the cops, I think it was like 12 cops shot at this guy, and none of them were able to hit the suspect. Right. Yeah. They had to blow him up with a remote control bomb, which is its own thorny issue. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a robot with a robot carrying It's explosives. the first time. Yeah, it's the first time that they've that, that's been used for to kill a mm -hmm. person. Um, outside of war situation, and that that seems insane to me. I know he was extremely dangerous, but I'm wondering why they couldn't have put some sort of like sleeping oh, gas. Right. Or, you know what I mean? They could have they could have um, de-escalated in a different way than exploding him. Yeah, but um, not that I'm sad to see him go, but uh, that's, there may be I, some it seems like not the way to do it. To it there, I mean, 
it's now been several hours since this guy has killed five oh, yeah. of your five well, of your and fellow they were officers in a, and shot seven yeah. more. Um, the, the, it, there has to be some emotions like, let's just fucking kill this. I'm sure. I'm sure. But that's not the cop's decision to make to kill people. And and but they had been in a shootout with him in that parking garage for yeah. hours. I mean, this didn't happen till early hours yeah. of the morning. Um, so it might have seemed like the last option. I don't know what what they were feeling or what they were thinking, but it's a, it's a thorny issue, I think. Yeah. Uh, did you guys see what Newt Gingrich said recently? <laughs> I'm I try not to. He said something more enlightened than I ever thought I would hear come out of his mouth. And I am so confused about the, how the world works now. He, it was a little bit fraught because he said something like, he said, if you are a quote unquote normal white person, <laughs> so he really could have left that mm-hmm. out, but you don't know what it's like for people of color in this country. Mm-hmm. And it, it shows that he has a ways to go, but he's starting to get there in, in saying, oh, they do have a different experience than I do. That's something I can't understand as a quote unquote normal person. These abnormal people have a very different life that I can't relate to. And so maybe we should listen to what they right. say. And I think if even Newt Gingrich is getting there, maybe we're going to make some progress <laughs> on this race. Thing. Or we've moved into an era when Newt Gingrich is the most reasonable one. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, I I've met so, Newt Gingrich yeah. a few times, and he's an extremely intelligent guy. I just don't happen to agree with ninety nine percent of the stuff that comes out of his mouth. Yeah, I don't either. Um, Luke was pointing out that most people's day to day is normal, and he was he was in his interactions with people in uh, Georgia or Missouri or wherever he is uh, have been positive and friendly and and i'll say in dallas um the outpouring of support for the cops has been really impressive and heartwarming um people have lining up to give the cops hugs <laughs> um we've had the the donations of blood to the point where they can't take anymore um like half the restaurants in town are giving free food mm. to anyone in uniform and donating money to the does that include funds gas station uniforms because <laughs> I would like, I would I like free say. hamburger, please. We do appreciate your service, Mike. Um, so it's it's been positive in that way, and I think it's important to remember that that cops have an impossible job, and I would never want to do it. And I'm glad they're doing it, and we should try to support them. And it's possible to be pro cop and mm-hmm. pro black, and I think we should all be that. Well said. Um, moving on. Next week, we're going to get Andy and Bean on Cairo. I'm so excited Ron for this. Me too. What is the time slot? Did they say? I don't know if they said. Got, they're subbing for Ron and Don. Okay, yeah. So whatever that is, yeah. On uh, Is it Friday? Mm-hmm. Drive, drive okay. time. Afternoon drive. So we should all tune in for that. That's going to be great. That's going to be and so strange, though, because, I mean, there's a clock to that show. I mean, it is a tight thing. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew said that he was nervous about the clock and that he already is lowering our expectations because he's not going to have any time to prepare. So <laughs> maybe he'll be leaning on Bean. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm surprised that um, they allow those guys to take vacation at the same time. Me too. But this might be this might be a, a really interesting tire fire. Oh, I think it's going to be great. I'm going to listen yeah. to all of it. Um, music for your weekend for Friday was uh, a really awesome prom queen slash leany song called Boredom Kills. That's usually not my kind of music either, but I really liked all three of these songs. 
Um, Luke gave us quadrant slipping, which he, we've heard before. He uses that as like bed music sometimes. I think that's uh, a good song. And then Heidi wrote in with a song called Drinky. Mm-hmm. That was in what Portuguese or something? That was really fun, but I didn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't listen to to pop music or or music with lyrics from from other countries because I I can't concentrate. I mean, I can concentrate, and all I'm concentrating on is trying to figure out. If I can what they're figure saying. out anything about what they're saying. So, you know, I'm out. You know, like people play these French songs and I'm, I'm sure they're great songs, but I'm just, I can't because I know a little bit of French. So it drives me out of my mind because mm-hmm. I get at one third of what they're saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it for the week. Housekeeping. Um, please, please. Uh, if you're archiving, get it done. Uh, we're almost finished with this phase of the project. We just need to get all the raw data and, and then we can um, make the archives great. Not again, but for the first time. I'm working <laughs> on it. <laughs> Don't let Anne do this all by herself. She's busy she enough. She has. She has three Walsh Walsh and doormat doormats now already. I think Anne and Ashley are getting tired. <laughs> um, and Sarah. Sarah's been doing a great job. Sarah. Yeah. yeah Sarah Settlemeyer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's been doing a great job. Um, the Amazon link. This is something that I need to do. I think I use Amazon like twice yearly, but uh, Emily uses it constantly. So I'm going to make sure that she's going through our link so that we get the, the kickbacks from the millions of dollars she spent on Amazon. Yep. I use Amazon constantly too, and I've changed my bookmark to be yes. ours, which you can do from littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon, and then just use that as your Amazon bookmark. You can feel better about yourself when you make someone lug a 40-pound bag of dog food uh, <laughs> to your door through Amazon. Yep. That's how I get my cat litter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 100-plus degrees out, and these poor schlubs are bringing the cat litter and the dog food to our doors. Let's make sure that LRB benefits from that. I'm narrowing down my vacuum purchase. And so maybe I'll buy it through Amazon. There you go. I am mysteriously getting tons of ads for Soylent now (laughs) on Amazon. Uh, Not even kidding. I don't know where that's coming from, but I blame Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, There's a a tens map. We want to know where you are. Not in a creepy way. Tell us where you live. <laughs> Not in a creepy way. It's pinned <laughs> to the top of the Stens page. Um, you can uh, use it to um, let others know where you are. You can find out where other Tens are in case you're traveling and want to meet some Tens. It's always fun to meet other Tens. I know we have uh, Tens in Australia, so you guys get on it. And you don't have to put your home address. No, just your like, town. You can just put your city. And yeah. also, if if uh, you claim to be from Australia, make sure you put your pin on somewhere around the rim because if you put it in the middle, we know you're lying. No one lives <laughs> in the middle of Australia. No, we do have a pin in New Zealand. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. I had not heard we had a New Zealand ten new new yep. tens and I'm looking at it right mm. now. Well, you can go visit the New Zealand ten and then look at all the Lord of the Rings locations out there. That's all I know about yep. New Zealand. Uh, they have face tattoos also, some of them. <laughs> um, Anne, can you tell people how to get involved? Sure. You can get involved by going to littleredbandwagon.com. You can fill out the form to be on the show and come and tell us your TBTL story. 
You can visit us on our Facebook page. We'll be around the Stens page as well. The show Twitter is at LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. And you can sure send us a voicemail or text at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. Well, we don't know what's going on on Nerd Out Loud because Christy is not on this recap. So um, I just We can make something up. Uh, yeah, there's a show coming up on Nerd Out Loud. It's going to uh-huh. be all about rodeo clowns. They're going to have a uh, guy on who um, was a rodeo clown for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, he quit because he came out as gay and was um, was dismissed from his job as a rodeo clown. Oh, that clown. sounds great. Yeah. Mm. So, Jeremy, and I, think, I just yeah, made that up. So now you got to find someone who fits that bill. And, and some space news. Yeah, of course, some boring space Surely. news that all, only makes me think, how much is this going to cost me? <laughs> uh, but as far as our show goes, uh, coming up, Ann and I are going to uh, be doing a, a clip show all about um, baseball-related TBTL moments. So that's going to be coming on Friday, so look forward to that. Um, that's all we have today. I guess uh, we can wrap this up. Uh, Anne. Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Jen and Andrew. Nailed it. Stepped all over your own, nailed it. (laughs) It was like little rabbit turds. (laughs) Well, you would know. Oh, God.